Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. I hope no one was offended by the sight of my legs, but let's be honest, it will boost ratings. Hello and welcome to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers. I'm Mark Dolan, or at least I used to be, and joining me is the matriarch of Headliners herself, Sajila Kershi, and the founder of Patriarchy itself, <laughs> the deliciously misogynistic Nick what? Dixon. Great to have both of you with us. Sajila, we haven't seen you on the box for a little while because I you've know. been treading the boards. I have been treading the boards. I've been doing a Sue Townsend play called uh, Bizarre and Rummage, and it's at the Wanstead Theatre. Uh, I've just done a, a run. I did two shows yesterday, so I'm really knackered. Um, and it's it's called uh, Bizarre and Rummage, but it's like a, almost like a post-pandemic parallel of uh, uh, people who've got a little bit of agoraphobia. Uh, and I play a, bell, a, a character called Belle Belle, who originally was Scottish, but I've got a little South Asian slant on it. And it's on next Thursday to Saturday. You can catch it at the Wanted Theatre. Well, I think it's a fascinating play because I've been reading about it. And also Sue Townsend is a genius because she came up with Adrian Mole. Adrian Mole. So you've got pathos, humour, yes. humanity, the whole thing, right? It's really funny. It's very, very, very funny. So Wanted Theatre. Yep. And it's called... Uh, bizarre and rummage, yeah. Loving. Well, I'll be <laughs> rummaging around for the tickets. The problem is people with actual agoraphobia won't come and watch it because they'll be in the house. <laughs> yeah, they, they, well, can, they can do it on Zoom, can they? Oh, no, somebody was, like, really mask, like, masked up and would, was refusing oh, to really? come, but they watched the play and they took it off during the play. By the way, do you think, was lockdown quite good for the agoraphobia? No, was it the agoraphobics? Yeah. Helped me. They, they must have loved it. Yeah. But the the created, only group that want more. more. It created more agrophobics, that's the thing. Ah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, well, look, you see, you, there's always a cost. Um, fascinating. Well, look, we've got lots of stories to get through. Let's start by taking a look at tomorrow's front pages. And this is the Daily Mail, Monday morning's Daily Mail. HRT crisis putting women's lives in danger. Campaigners alert on drug shortage. That's right. Thousands of British women cannot get hold of HRT medication and it's a huge health concern and also front page of the mail le champ macron crushes le pen at the polls to win another five years daily telegraph iou excuse me yes that's what it says iou macron promises france president admits voters backed him only in order to keep marine le pen from power putin will manipulate un chief's visit to moscow says johnson and pm tells Rayner sexist claims were not his. The Guardian Macron pledges unity after he fends off Le Pen threat and fury at slur, Rayner uses her body to distract the Prime Minister. Financial Times, Macron on track for election win after fighting off Le Pen challenge and Putin says peace talks at a dead end and train, train sites on Ukraine land grab. That's right, so his uh, territorial ambitions continue apace in Ukraine. The Daily Mirror, Mr. Tyson, retire, not a chance. And cost of living poll shock, Bill's pain hits home. Half of Brits unable to pay up in the summer. 5.3 million forced to choose heat or eat. The Times, Macron vows to reunite France after election win. 
and grey reports so damning, say the Times, Johnson will have to quit. Daily Express, pensioners face cost of living year from hell. And the Daily Star, women loudest. Snore blimey! That's right, it turns out a recent poll suggests that women snore more loudly than us boys. And those are your front page headlines. So, Monday's Telegraph, and Angela Rayner is not happy, Nick. Absolutely. Angela Rayner condemns perverted claim that she distracts Boris Johnson at PMQs with basic instinct ploy. And, of course, this was her uh, responding to an article in the Mail on Sunday that said she distracted Boris Johnson with her legs and that she'd admitted as much on the Commons Terrace. She put out a long Twitter thread saying that's absolute nonsense, complete lies, ludicrous story. And this is the level of our political discourse. I have to say... It wasn't a great article, a bit shabby. I wouldn't have written it. I, would, I never would write such a lowbrow article. It was a bit lame, and I think she was right to be annoyed. Oh, some of her dresses do sort of push the workplace attire a little bit. She wore that dress with quite a high split in the Commons, I remember, from my hard drive. But she also... She, she also even though I think it's completely reasonable she's annoyed about this, it is sort of ironic that in a couple of days, she'll be not knowing what a woman is again. Do you know what I mean? Labour, they're annoyed about... They're, they're women, like, how, how dare you treat women like this? Then the next day, they don't know what a woman is. They think it's some sort of nebulous mist that descends on you in the late afternoon occasionally. So that is the irony of it. Yeah, that is the irony. I've got to say, I found it hard listening to what you were saying because of that low-cut T-shirt you're wearing. Well, I'm sorry about that, Mark. <laughs> yeah. It is, but my pecs are a bit distracting. Uh, listen, if you're a hottie, there's nothing you can do about it. This has been said. People it, it, email me all the time. <laughs> they say, tone it down a bit, Nick. I'm like, I can't. It's who I am. Oh, please, please, don't sit so close to me. I can't, I can't, I can't... I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. I, I love the wording in, in this article. Um, uh, you know, it's been suggested that she used a basic instinct ploy during dispatch box exchange. Oh, blimey. Where, Mrs. This is a minefield, this um, conversation, is minefield. isn't it? Do you know what? Red I, box. I, <laughs> and I, I feel... Careful <laughs> where you leave that one. <laughs> well, I feel a bit... Um, you know, obviously, it, it's like... It's like you're watching a movie. Do you know what I mean? This is like... This is almost like... A, and she's, she's playing Erin Brockovich, and there's a little bit of class thing going on, and she's somehow using her sexuality to, to, to you know, to... to lure, it, this has not happened. This has not happened. This is like more detraction from what's going on in, in, you know, in the government. Um, why are you staring at me like No, I'm, I'm sorry. Is that, is that a microaggression? Um, uh, is, it, is it you trying to mesmerise me with your... Do you think it's sexist and uh, do you think she was right? The she article. wasn't doing that, though. No, That's... so you think the, the article's correct, that it was a sexist suggestion? That it was, was a sexist suggestion yeah. and it was like... I mean, what, so men have to... This is so... You know, people uh, uh, criticise, uh, like, Islamic extremists because it's all the onus is on the woman to, mm. you know, cover up because, it, you know, it, it might lure the men into pouncing on them. And I know I've gone into, like, segregated weddings where, like, men and women have been separated. And it's like, why are you doing that? It's like, oh, because we don't know who's coming to the weddings. No. I'm like, what kind of pervos are we inviting to the weddings that are going to pounce across tables at the wedding to, to, to you know, to literally attack a woman? You've never met Irish people, so um, <laughs> let's move on. The French election has reached a conclusion. Sajila, victory for Monsieur Macron. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a kind of a weird fight, really, battle. It was almost like choosing which Cray brother 
you wanted in power. <laughs> you know, it's like you weren't really going to win either way. Um, so, yeah, Emmanuel Macron has got uh, a second lead in. And I think at the final hurdle, he didn't actually sort of stick with his uh, own um, uh, his own manifesto. He kind of, like, attacked uh, Le Pen's uh, stance on immigration, far-right stance on immigration. So he kind of basically was saying, you know, I'm less... I, I am a thought, like, getting rid of the immigrants. I am, but I, I wouldn't say get rid of the headscarf. I would... And I think uh, Le Pen, although she is trying to change from her father's kind of legacy, but she, I, I think there's still some daddy issues there. If you really didn't have daddy issues and didn't want his approval, you'd go so far away from his politics. But she hasn't. She's still quite close to his politics and, and you know, his kind of uh, uh, way of being. But here we go. We've got Emmanuel Macron, and that we're kind of stuck with that, really. Yeah, I mean, is this the death of populist politics, do you think? I don't know if it's the death of it. It's a shame that Macron's the best they think they can do. I do find it interesting The Guardian calls Le Pen far right, but everyone also calls Eric Zemmour far right, who's he's further right, so he's presumably the far, far right. I just think everyone calls everyone far right now. From what I can understand, Le Pen is not that different to Macron. There's like a slight difference. You know, maybe her father was different, but it, it, to me, I don't think she's even far right. But I just thought that was noteworthy. But it is The Guardian, so... And a big part of her policy platform was to support young people by actually uh, allowing... Uh, stopping anyone under 30 from paying income tax. Not a bad idea. Well, I'm not sure. Under 30, can we yeah, change it? she was going to get rid of Over 40. <laughs> yeah. 43? Um, can you take it up to 50? Monday's Mirror next, and Harry and Meghan's neighbours aren't happy, Nick. Oh, yeah. Prince Harry and... Uh, Prince Harry? Why not? Prince Harry and Meghan's neighbours Not say... Prince Harry, never. <laughs> Prince unhappy. Prince Harry and Meghan's neighbours say they're not part of the community, despite claim. So Prince Harry told an interview at the Invictus Games that he and Mel um, Meghan have been welcomed with open arms in Montecito, but locals are saying they totes haven't, basically. And um, apparently he's not even gone to this pub. There's a pub on the Old King's Road, a, a call the Old King's Road. It's a, a British-influenced bar in Santa Barbara, and it has a sign on the window saying no word beginning with W, so presumably Harry wouldn't even be allowed in that one, but... There's a, that joke only makes sense if you can say the word, which we can't. So you have to. Does it rhyme with bankers? Piece that together at home, guys, and you'll have a, a lol. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's apparently he's going to start playing polo with his family. He hasn't even started doing that yet. And um, the only thing, the only part of a little bit of sympathy I had, and uh, I rarely have sympathy with Harry and Meghan, is that they've been trying to get burgers from In and Out Burger, which I've had. Very nice burgers you can get over California there. California-based chain. Brilliant. So nice, but. They can't even get them because of security logistics. So I never really thought about the plight before of trying to get a simple burger and you can't because of security. So I, a rare moment of sympathy for Harry there. But basically, they're not fitting in the neighbourhood. Apparently, they're thinking about moving already. And that's that story, really. Why, why not order delivery? Does that not open to the world? It's then? the same problem, security logistics, presumably. Oh, I mean, I'm guessing. And I, well, I'm a, I, I, you know, to have a balance, I like Ma uh, Meghan and Harry. Oh, please don't look so shocked, Mark. You I like... like... <laughs> What yeah. do you like about? I like them because I had a dream once that we hung out and they were really nice to me and I kind of and she she opened up to me. That's a, so that's not that a good dream. reason. So they're nice. Well, I, in I a, need a reason. They're nice, literally, like, only in a dream world. Yeah, yeah. Th they were really nice. I mean, Megan just really got on. Um, so just don't you say anything about Megan, right? <laughs> but the thing is, right. I mean, how are they not assimilating? They're probably just hanging out at home. I mean, I don't really kind of hang out with my neighbours. People could say that I don't, you know, hang out with them. What, are they not doing, like, the local street parties or doing the right. carpool, you know, yeah. care, car share, mm. you know, maybe going swinging with the neighbours? Is that what what, what constitutes kind of, you know... It is so hard community? to imagine, isn't it? Hard to imagine them bringing cakes to the WI or whatever. Yeah. Getting involved in local council meetings. I can't really see it. A cup of sugar from Harry and Meghan. They probably don't eat sugar. 
No, they don't. Right, they give you a lecture about the process of sugars or something. Yeah, and also if you were friends with Megan, you'd have to keep asking her how she is because no one asked her how she feels. Good point. Well, in my dream, she didn't take sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and on that revelation, the Daily Mail next. And a new czar is potentially going to be announced, but not Putin, an HRT one. HRT. So what is HRT? Um, HRT is hormone replacement therapy. And uh, so there's a shortage of it. And who's the man to resolve the shortage for women's HRT? But Sergeant Javid himself. Um, and he's basically ordered someone to sort this problem out. And that someone is in the shape and form of the same woman who um, was in charge of the COVID vaccine, Kate Bingham. So Kate Bingham um, is doing this. And so there's been a bit shortage because of the pandemic. And uh, women are now resorting to uh, alcohol? using, yes, alcohol, and using their friends as HRT mules to go, like when they go on holiday to India and other places, to bring like loads of suitcases, you know, full back of uh, HRT. Middle so, class drug use. Huh? It's middle class drug use getting it's out of hand. Class drug. Well, I mean, the thing is, it, it's it's um it's it, 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 it there's loads of problems obviously when you get um and, and I think this is really really where um you, got, you have a gender pay imbalance and then women are expected to pay for period products, um, you know, through their through their sort of you know premenopausal and then postmenopausal HRT actually is really really expensive on the uh, prescription. I think it's two hundred and uh, if my poor eyes can see two hundred, can you see Nick somewhere two hundred and five pounds a year? That's a lot of money. So um, and now they're buying it on the black market, so that's going to cost them even more. And without this, they there are lots of health issues that women are, you know, facing. Um, there was a time when HRT was seen as like something that caused cancer and had like other horrible side effects. There are other things that women could use, but I just don't think there's enough. We don't really talk about menopause. No, women don't talk about menopause. I didn't even know there was a perimenopause until my friend just said, "Oh, it's a perimenopause," and it's like like the equivalent of the trainer bra. You know, you have the trainer bra, and then you have the, then you can get back and become a big girl, and you get big girls bra, and then perimenopause is like it's like a trainee menopause, and then you get the big menopause. And I was like, I just got my head around having a menopause, not about yeah. a there's a trainee, you know, like there's like a prequel, yeah, like yeah, 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 Phantom yeah. Menace of menopause. Well, you know what? I totally sympathise. You should be able to get HRT, but men also have the issue that they it's very hard to get testosterone, even harder to get that on the NHS. Men have a huge testosterone problem. No men in this room, obviously. But in, in the nation, there are a lot of men with low testosterone, so it's quite similar. Some of them need similar things to HRT or TRT. And it, that if men had more testosterone, that would end all woke policies, all wokeness immediately. Don't you think, Mark? Because yeah, you can get it. it you, would it's actually. very hard to get. People have to get it private, and they have to get it injected into their bum, I've heard. Uh, but you know, men after 40, testosterone declines one percent a year after thirty. On Are you average. really comparing that? I'm, not, to I, I'm, HRT? I, I'm, I'm just raising it. I'm, I'm saying you're, this is definitely an issue, and I'm just merely saying it's not. I'm just adding it as another issue. It doesn't Ladies have to be out a there, competition. Tweet away your but thoughts. Why, why do, do you know how, <laughs> testosterone has a huge uh, negative impact on men after uh, as they age? I'm not saying. So what? Women that shouldn't have HRT. Older, I'm just also more. raising it. Yeah. But the other thing this is... This is a big unspoken men, thing. I know, I'd older, like to have a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Mark's men... been asking me and if you, you can borrow some of mine. <laughs> well, men, you've given a me a, he's given me a couple of vials of yeah. something or other. Well, men get more, less aggressive that? as they get older. I don't agree. remember a men thing. Men get less aggressive. So men are like more, you know, uh, like gentle, a bit whiny, yeah, but whingy. Yeah, health, health problems as well that people don't realise. <laughs> whingy. <laughs> and, uh, and women get more... Aggressive. I noticed that. Yeah, it's just what I mean. That's what yeah. I just want to play that out for us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I felt it. <laughs> well, I think you're both very chemical tonight, and I'm loving every minute of it. How about this? Monday's Independence, and the more I hear about Satan 2, Nick, the less I like it. I know what you mean. It's quite an abrupt left turn into a horrific story here. Russia warns it will deploy Satan 2 
nuclear missiles capable of hitting UK. I haven't even seen Satan 1 yet, so this is not ideal. This is Satan 2, the new batch. Um, Will it be carrying HRT? It, yes, <laughs> it's going to save us all, Mark. It's so nice of them. I really... It's, I love how it's called Satan 2. It's hard to think of something worse than Satan, so, like, what can we go with now? Just Satan 2, that'll do it. And, um, yeah, it, it's... So, if, let's find out what it is, Mark. It's an intercontinental ballistic missile. I'm laughing, but it could kill us all. And, uh, and, it, and it's capable of reaching Europe, and it can go... Mr Putin claims the missile... It hits the target after travelling roughly 3,700 miles and is virtually impossible to defend against with current technology. So we've got that look to look forward to. And people are saying this is the highest nuclear threat since the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is very bad because there was a whole film about that, 13 days. So, yeah, pretty horrific story, Mark, Satan too. We always thought, didn't we, that the nuclear deterrent would mean that there would never be a sort of global nuclear war because it means mutually assured <laughs> destruction. Right. Do you think there's a chance that Putin, with nothing to lose and in a corner, would press the nuclear button? All the things that we've discussed before in this programme about his health and, um, you know, potentially feeling, like, cornered by the West, yeah, he could. I mean, in terms of naming these missiles, I don't know why you just can't name it uh, does what it says on the tin. It's a nuclear missile. You don't need to name it anything else. It's Satan yeah. 2. I totally agree. Why not Omen or Omen 1 and Coward, 2? It's no, it could be like, like the sort of Bugs Bunny cartoon, sort of Acme nuclear Acme, missile. Acme, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, have a bit of fun. It, it needs it. a rebrand, doesn't it? It does need a rebrand. Yeah. It, needs no. a, it needs a central London ad agency to kind of come up with some <laughs> fun ideas. That is interesting, because Russia keeps trying to say they're the good guys, they're merely fighting Nazism, all this. Like, what's your weapon called? Oh, it's Satan 2. You know what I mean? It's like... Change the name, Putin, right? Satan 1, then, right? It should be right. called Liberator or something. Yeah, Liberator, but what? What? when you said about Satan mm. 1, I agree with you. Where yeah, I missed that, I know. Where, where, yeah, that was a disappointment, We missed the memo it? and the, hopefully we missed it, full stop, right? Well, here's hoping. Yeah. Well, definitely, what I'm really worried about is who's going to pick up my dry cleaning? Each to their own. That's it for part one. After the break, we'll be discussing Jeremy Corbyn's Labour future and Antarctic first, and why Netflix viewers are switching off in droves. Make sure you don't, because we've got some cracking stories to get through. See you shortly. Welcome back to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers. I'm Mark Dolan, and joining me are the brilliant comedians Sajila Kershey and Nick Dixon. Now, how about this? Let's talk about Jeremy Corbyn, a definitive statement on his future, Sajila. OK, so Jeremy Corbyn um, will not be a Labour MP again after attack on NATO. This is what Keir Starmer is saying. So Keir Starmer, once and for all, is shutting the door on the former Labour leader. Um, uh, and I think it's also a personal thing, because, you know, Corbyn was popular, say what you will about him. There was a popular with a... You know, I was myself... Uh, you know, did like him for quite a while and then thought he'd handle things very difficultly. Um, but, yeah, so he's not... In, apparently, he um, his membership was restored back in 2020, but the part, not the party whip, which means he can't really stand again. Um, but he's clashed now on the leadership by uh, suggesting that military alliances such as NATO can build up greater danger in the world and should be... You know, I, th I think he sees them as a, b a bigger danger than, than you know, the than the Rus Russia's, you know, invasion of Ukraine. So that's kind of where we are with that. Do you have anything to add, yeah. my learned comment? Well, I just think it's, it's obviously a very eccentric position to hold at this point, and it, the danger is, of course, yeah, it would leave you at the mercy of Russia and Satan too. 
So, you know, Trump questioned NATO, but he questioned, like, are people paying enough into it? He was talking about the effectiveness of NATO, yeah. whereas Corbyn's basically saying NATO is bad. So it's, it's obviously, at this point, a kind of very hard position to hold. I understand this wider question, you know, historically, do military alliances bring peace? He's making a wider philosophical claim, but, but it's hardly pragmatic at the moment, and you can see why it's controversial. Corbyn has been toast politically for months, oh, if yeah. not years now. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think in some ways... He actually cut quite a dynamic figure as the leader of the Labour Party. In some ways, he's more principled and a more compelling personality than Keir Starmer. Mm -hmm. And he certainly absolutely nailed it in the 2017 election campaign. He gave the Tories a real mm. fright and dented, of course, Theresa May's majority. Yes. In fact, she didn't have yeah. a majority. So, so he drew blood from the Conservatives. I think by 2019, he'd lost the plot. I mean, partly, in honesty, I do think it, there, was a, there was a smear campaign. I do think it's, he's not guilty of all the crimes that he's been committed of, but certainly mud sticks in politics, and it did for him. And it's a shame because he represented what I would have considered the old old Labour, which I know not, not you know, anyone on the right will not agree with that. But, you know, it was principled and we needed someone with principles and we haven't had that for a long time. And now it's all gone very wishy-washy. It's, it's all, it's all, it's of course it, is, it has. But Starmer, you know, I, I, I you know, obviously I'm, I, I'm a lefty, I'm a, I'm a Labour girl, right? But I don't, I don't, there's been moments of brilliance from Starmer, but we need more of that. But then again, you know, you could say the same with, with, with Boris. There have been moments, you know, but on the on the whole, there's been a lot of sleaze and scandal as well, which, you know, it's 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 hard. There's nothing like I said about the craze. We've got our own craze, you know. It's just that it, the politics. You know, what, you say that um, anyone on the right, etc. But the, the Red Wall MPs are closer to old Labour than Labour, quite arguably, with what they want. They kind of they want things to be uh, they want trains to be. Nationalised, they want things like that. They want public spending, oh, and they want social conservatism. It's a lot. Trains. The red wall are a lot closer to old Labour than Labour. And on, on your point patriotic, about patriotic, yeah, social family values, but they want public spending. On the, your point about Corbyn being principled, what's interesting is he voted against the Plan B restrictions. He was one of it was about ten Labour people, yeah. and he was a, an independent. So, and that that was one thing I, he did that I liked. I mean, that's probably the only. And he also was against vaccine mandates as well, oh, yeah. and vaccine passports. And I couldn't agree with him more on that. Um, I think, Sajila, that that Corbyn is is old news. That for me, that's not the story. Yeah. What I want to know is, do you think voters will punish Keir Starmer at the next election for having supported Corbyn in the first place? I don't think that's going to be the issue, actually. Because he was a cheerleader for, for, Keir, Keir, uh, for Corbyn as Prime Minister, wasn't he, when yeah, he was on the Shadow I, I, Cabinet? I honestly don't think that's going to be the thing for Keir Starmer. I think it's going to be more sort of recent events, you know, like mm. not being able to say what a woman is or, uh, you know, not stepping up in other ways. I don't think that... I think the Corbyn story has kind of ended now, sadly, but it has, mm. um, and we've got to sort of look forward. Do you think... What do you think, Nicole? Potentially you could have the opposite. I see a lot of hardcore Labour people on, on Twitter and stuff who... And it is only Twitter, but they, they're against Starmer because he threw Corbyn under the bus. So the opposite of what you're saying, they could lose some votes because, you know, Starmer's mm. too centrist mm. for them. Yeah, and Starmer can say, look, I'm the new Tony Blair, I'm this great reforming leader that's essentially excommunicating the hard left of this party, mm. which yeah. is exactly what Blair did, which swept mm. him to power, I suspect. Mm. A fascinating conversation. Well, move over bats. Pigs could be the next, next uh, vectors of the pandemic, Nick. Yeah, pigs can pass deadly superbugs to people, study reveals. Some more good news for us here. So this is research into C. difficile, which is a very nasty sort of stomach complaint you can, you can get. And uh, So they've found that C. C. difficile 
it basically is resistant to all but three antibiotics in, in use today. So the issue is they've been studying C. difficile and they found that uh, there's a danger of just us becoming more and more resistant to antibiotics. Everyone knows that doctors prescribe too many antibiotics. We've been giving too many to animals. And this is just more along those lines, basically. Yes. Put me right off my burger. This one from Monday's Times might go some way to explaining Netflix's recent woes, Sajila. Ooh, Netflix. Netflix, I had an intravenous drip attached to Netflix throughout the whole pandemic, and I'm like, not everybody else, I should imagine. So, um, settling, settling in for a binge, Netflix subscribers? Bad luck, your show's been cancelled. So, um, a new study finds that the streaming giant is dropping more of its own shows and content and uh, getting more samey. And the reason for that is, like, um, you know, boy, the whole, whole article, but basically, that when they make their own own series, own Netflix stuff, um, they'll get to like season two, and because by Hollywood standards, by the time you make season three, you need to renegotiate contracts and um, you know pay people differently. Everyone gets more expensive. If yes, it's everyone hit. gets such as headliners. Yes, I mean, like, yes. Oh um, my gosh, I hadn't thought about that. Nick yes. Dixon is that close to pricing himself out of the market. <laughs> Let me tell you, he asked for sandwiches today, <laughs> and the problem is because he's that good, he got them. He did. And you've got yeah. a cup of tea made for you, which I didn't. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, so basically... <laughs> yeah, so, uh, the, you know, the, uh, th that's that's kind of what's happening. So what, instead, of, instead of making a new season, they'll cut it and then they'll just make uh, remake another, you know, another which has got the same similar sort of things. So it's just, that's why it's the samey stuff, which is a shame because Netflix has been, you know, going really strong, um, doing really well, too much, so much so that I... Refused to pay my BBC licence fee until they sent me last week a a a a, a threatening letter. A thousand pounds. They were gonna, yes, do they me don't for a thousand pounds. And then I got really scared, like the poll tax, and then just paid it because I was like making a stance with the poll tax. Do you back think in the day. that the BBC should be funded differently? Um, well, you know, during for me personally, I didn't really watch the BBC. I'm not really watching the BBC now. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I, it's not so much featured in my life anymore. So I don't know. It does need to be funded different. I think we've had this conversation before mm. again on the show. And I do think there should be a different way. Netflix works. You know, like, you buy... I mean, I don't know anybody who actually has paid for Netflix apart from the people... Like, because I use my son's. And, like, do you use your own? Or do you have, you know... And, and your yeah, family will use own. yours? I've got my own, but I've got the population of a small town in Wales who exactly. are currently uh, borrowing Hello. my password. Everybody use, you know... It, and there's, there's something wonderful about that, you know, because you've got your little uh, avatars on the thing and, and using your own stuff. Apparently they're going to clamp down on that. Oh, are they? OK. They already, well, fair enough. I don't even mind that. But I do think that there is... There is a different way to be doing things, and BBC is a little bit dated and, and still, mm. you know, and then sending threatening letters like, I mean, taking oh, me to court for a £1,000 just because uh, I was a bit late. It's totally anachronistic, and I think even people who work there I've spoken to know that it, that's got to go. But my take on this Netflix thing, the one part Sajila didn't mention is that, yes, there are logistical reasons why it's samey, but let's face it, it's also the political persuasion of Netflix. We all know what that is. We know it's gone woke. Elon, Elon Musk said it the other day that it's gone woke. Go, and th then the share price dropped 35%, which is probably related to that, people think. I just think it's interesting. Netflix has got very woke. The Obamas have been dropped by Spotify with their podcast contract. Disney have switched from inspiring stories to grooming. And we've sort of... We've got the end of the... Some say the word grooming. The woke much. channel CNN Plus has been cancelled. At a cost of $300 million. CNN is falling apart. So it's like the regime media is on its last legs. It's the old media. It, people don't actually like a lot of it. it it's not, and it can't stand up. Obama can't compete with Joe Rogan. And everything's... You know, it's all falling behind. And uh, Although I do like the Kanye documentary on Netflix. And Selling Sunset is good. 
How do you think we will be watching telly in, let's say, five years' time? I'm very proud to say that at GB News, I think we've got every base covered because you can watch our output for free on your smartphone mm. via the app. You've also got YouTube, regular telly. Uh, you can look at our website, you know, every which way. And, of course, DAB Plus on the radio. But how do you think Sajila will be consuming content in five years' time? I think whilst we're wearing our glasses, like you are now, there'll be a little screen there and you can watch a programme as you're walking. Yeah, I think I think that's technology's go really like going... But also, maybe Oops. we've over-consumed as well. I think maybe it's got to the point where um, we there's, have fatigue. There's too much stuff. Yeah, no? there's too much stuff and we've got fatigue. Like, I mean, I spend more time flicking through Netflix to see what I should watch. I tire myself out and then go to bed because... I don't know what to pick. You know, there's so many choices. I actually tie myself out in front of a screen all the time as well. Oh, do you, Mark? <laughs> it can be very draining, <laughs> let me tell you. Angela Rayner, eat your heart out. <laughs> How about this from The Guardian? And where on earth is Guantanamo Ooze, Nick? Yes, well, Guantanamo on Ooze plans to place 1,500 asylum seekers in Yorkshire Village. So the, the name comes from the fact that they're basically dumping a load of uh, migrants or asylum seekers in this little village. And... Everyone basically is saying it's not going to work. The, the locals are saying that it's far too many people. Uh, they, they're totally against it. Uh, a Lib Dem MP has said it's ill-thought-out, cruel and morally bankrupt. Even the Conservative MP for Thurston and Moulton, uh, Kevin Hollenrake, says he was initially in favour, but now he's firmly against it. And so it's, it seems like a pretty awful idea all round. But I suppose it's a, obviously a very difficult problem. Immigration, you've got to do something about it, but perhaps just dropping them into this village... It's not going to work. Well, um, coming from a sort of a village, um, I think it's typical village mentality. You know, we don't want oiders. I don't know why I always do that, but boys for the village sort of word. Uh, is that how yeah, they talk uh, we, in Red Hill and we, Surrey? That's, that's right. In Red Hill and Surrey, they, in Rygate, Rygate, this is how we speak. Um, yeah, we don't want outsiders. And I know even, you know, where I live, it's been a similar thing. When the travellers have come, like, we don't want the travellers here. We don't want the immigrants here, um, and uh, they're saying that they're only going to put, like, single men from um, uh, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Etria, who uh, to be sent to Linton in this mm. place. Um, now, uh, refugee charities have called the planned centre across between a hostile and low-security prison, uh, it, uh, and, and they've said it's ill-thought-out, cruel and morally bankrupt to uh, a ploy to reduce the obligations to the most desperate people. So that those stories, I just still think, are not told enough. All we get is the scaremongering, you know, evil bomb immigrants, you know, coming, you know, taking everything. And I just think the real stories are, get, are getting lost somehow, um, some of which I would, you know, I haven't got time to share, but they are real, like, stories out there that, you know, yeah. need to be told. And people who are deserving, yeah, deserving. Of, of, yeah. of not just shelter but actual asylum. Abs absolutely, yeah. But the issue is, like you say, it's a small village. I'm from a small village. It says here there are four buses a day to York. There's one shop, and that's more than we had where I grew up. We had n n nothing, no shops, just sheep. So, yeah, so I do relate to, the, you know, their, problem, their issue with it as well. Yeah. It's always been my view that if you don't live near a big next, then yeah, it ain't so, happening. No. And ideally a costa. Why live? Yeah. And a boot's on two floors. Is that too much to ask? I just want a Lidl's. Really? Yeah, I love Lidl's. Do you I know what? I do think things are changing, because estate agents always used to say, oh, and there's a Starbucks down the road. But I think with the cost of living crisis, they'll be like, Aldi's just over Aldi. there. Knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pound shop. There's a pound shop down the road. <laughs> Other supermarkets are available. <laughs> Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, you name it. I could go on, and I'm tempted to, but I won't. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Antarctic, Sajila. Oh, so this is about gay love in a hopeless, cold place. Um, so uh, British Middlesbrough? Antarctic 
<laughs> I'm there is that one as well. King. I think we're going to take that story another time. I love time, the northeast. Um, yeah, this is the British Antarctic Territory to hold its first same-sex wedding. Um, so the the happy uh, grooms and groom is uh, Eric Bourne and Stephen Carpenter, who work in the RRS Sir David Attenborough, and they're hoping to tie the knot on Monday. However, um, they might have to be pushed back because of the bad weather. Uh, someone's probably getting cold feet, or maybe it's just the fact that it's cold all year round there. Who knew? I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but, yeah, the wedding's going to be performed by the boat's captain. And I've always liked, I like the idea of getting married by a boat captain. They used to do it in the love boats. Probably maybe too young to remember the love boat. Remember yeah, the love boat? I do yeah. remember that vividly. Yeah. It feels right to be, to be married by someone in a sailor's uniform. Yeah, yeah, it does, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, with, with, the, with the rather fancy decoration on, on, on the blazer. Yes. A white blazer, I would have thought. Yes, yes. Medals. And a hat. I'd like to be married by someone with medals. I think it's important to have medals. Yeah. Yes. I think so. Do you know when I got married, I was married by a Roman Catholic priest in Austria, a lovely guy called Father Schwarzenauer. Probably best not to name him. Uh, but <laughs> he, no, he was a great guy. And I had to do an interview with him before we got married. And one of the questions was, are you fertile? Wow. And I said, is this, you, is this you, like, just curious? Or have you got to ask me that? And he said, yeah, it is your obligation to deliver babies to this woman, should she so wish. And in Austria, certainly in, in the church in Austria, you know, maybe there were some scoundrels who were unable to conceive, who, who would marry people and then not give them babies. Well, and yet I'm hearing... him with your actions, didn't you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Fertile. You would struggle to get married in Austria with <laughs> your low testosterone. Yeah, Are you yeah. sure you didn't want I'm your sperm? Into... Well, that's the only that's, thing. That's like he wanted, like, to sire your children well, yeah, yeah, away yeah, yeah, from your actually, knowledge. <laughs> he, said, he said, Are you fertile? I said, I'm very fertile. And he, said, and he looked at me coquettishly and, and he said, How fertile? And I said, Let's have a drink and let's talk about it. Well, I mean, Was he first. looking for you to, like, help the whole village or something? <laughs> what a night. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, look, that's the end of part two. We've got so much more. In fact, we have saved our best till last. Um, part three has some incredible stories uh, for us to apply our comedic lenses to. Tyson Fury, yes. out of control auto correction on your computer and phone, and a drug riddled wedding cake. They are real corker stories. See you in two. And the money was hidden in my sock all along. No. Oh, my God, we're back on air. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Mark Dolan, and the very secretive Sajila Kershey, and the man who's an open book, Nick Dixon. We're taking a look at tomorrow's papers. And the Metro now, and Tyson Fury from one perfectly idealised specimen of masculinity to another. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Martin, for writing that link. Um, yes, this is in the Metro Retirement U-turn. Tyson Fury's uh, wife, Paris, gives him permission to take unification fight. Of course, no one can give the Gypsy King permission. He does what he wants. But this is about whether he would come back out of retirement. Well, can you tell us what, what's the story? He's a boxer, is he? I'm, he's a boxer. He's the greatest heavyweight in the world, Tyson Fury. Is he British? And last night, yes. And last night, from Manchester... Lives is he in, related to Mike Tyson? No, lives in Morecambe. Although that is where he got his name. His father named him after Mike Tyson. Is that right? So and he, there was a fight yesterday, There was a correct? fight yesterday. In the street, fight, outside a pub? In Wembley, 94,000 fans. And Tyson Fury won round six. I actually thought about betting. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to bet as a Christian, but I was going to put a bet on round three, seven or ten. So I'm quite glad I didn't, because that would have been really annoying, because he got him in six. Of course, Fury is he's the greatest fighter in the world. He lives in Morecambe, just down the road from where I'm from. Total legend. And it was an incredible... It was a great fight. Dillian White didn't do that well, but he's a good lad as well. And um, the great thing, of course, is that Tyson Fury always shouts out Jesus Christ at the end. So Jesus Christ and Tyson Fury both remain undefeated. 
And it always makes people awkward when he does it, but I'm, it's good that he does. But the story is about whether he would come back out of retirement. So he said he was going to retire, but no one really believes him. It didn't sound like he really was going to. He did talk about a fight with Francis Ngannou, even talked about it in the ring after the fight. This would be a crossover fight into the UFC where it would be a crossover. Fury, they'd wear smaller gloves, they'd do it in a cage, so it would be boxing mixed with, mixed with UFC. So he might do that, but the question is, will he still fight Joshua or Uzik and try and get all the belts? He says he's not bothered. He's had all the belts at one time or another. He's not a bother about belts. He's just looking for the next interesting fight. And now, he, so he's claiming he's retired. No one quite believes him. That's the story. So the idea was that last night's fight was the last fight of his career. That's yeah. how it was pitched. That's what he started saying. And you wonder, is he just trying to tease out Joshua or Uzik to say, look, you've missed your chance, possibly? But is that like Elton John's farewell tour, which we know will never end? Yeah. It could be a bit like that. You know, you never know with Tyson when he's serious and when he isn't. He's a great guy, but sometimes he says things in the build-up to fights that, that you know, a bit Boxers of are notorious for struggling to retire, aren't they? When they, they retire, they come out of retirement. Yeah, there's been a few, like Andre Ward, who really retired undefeated, said, that's it, I'm getting out. Occasionally that does happen, but many stay on far too long. Or they return, like Tyson's had a go lately or whoever. If, if, a, if a, a fight ends after six rounds, is that disappointing for the, for the people watching, the spectators? Do you know what? For me, because I'm so invested in Tyson Fury that it's ridiculous, I felt sick the entire fight, can barely sit down. So for me, I was glad that it was over in six rather than these really long fights with Wilder that have been yeah. hard to watch. For many people, yeah, I think six is all right. I think if it's one or two or three, maybe, I think six was all right. Yeah, and, and, and you, you weren't feeling well, you were struggling. Did an old man come along with a bucket and a sponge? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And make I had your a head wet. In there. Yeah, 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 because I just... Yeah. I just was just so great. Once You just can't help but love him, and then you get really into it, and then, you, you know... Well, London yesterday was full of people who must have been at the fight because they had all had crowns and the trains were really delayed. So thank you, TFL, for not warning us there was a strike. Um, and literally, I was thinking, well, what are all the crowns? And it was like, oh, it's the fight, it's the fight. And, and they were so passionate that, yeah, I mean, God, they're, they're, they're the kind of fans you want. Really, well, because really... Fury's been through so much. He went through mental health struggle. He was yeah, suicidal. Was out for three years, yeah. and then he came back. And it's just an epic story. I love that his wife has said, um, asked if you know if she, if they've got her blessing if he does fight again. Mm. And uh, this is this is what a per we we're talking about marriage and what a perfect partner would say. Um, and she says, yes, Tyson always has my blessing whatever he chooses to do. Isn't that it, lovely? That's nice. She's so yeah. great, Paris. And also yeah. speaking of fertility, in the last story, he has six kids already, and he said he's going for ten. Blimey. And I thought boxers abstained. <laughs> Who knew? Well, boxers and TV presenters. Daily Mail now and the global chip shortage has left tech firms taking a novel approach to fulfilling supply demands, said Drula. Oh, yes. So the pandemic... Um, OK, let me just... What's the pandemic? Tell me the more. Pand the pandemic, yet again. We're never going to get away from that. This used to be postmodern. This is modern art. Now it's going to be post-pandemic art and post-pandemic everything. It's true. Um, so, and those yeah. three terrible words, by the way, because of COVID. Because of COVID. So this is rubbish because of it's COVID. Because of, this is still closed because of COVID. It's all because of COVID. So tech firms rip apart new washing machines. Well, having just bought a new washing machine, I'm quite disturbed to read this, uh, ripping apart new washing machines so that they can harvest their computer parts in a bid to beat the global microchip shortage. So because of the because of COVID, because of the pandemic, right, we've, we have, uh, and people working from home a lot more, um, we've run out of, 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 of microchips. And it's actually, um, it, what is it called, Semi, a semiconductor? Yeah. Uh, anything with a semi in front of it, always a bit dodgy, isn't it? But semiconductor, which be. actually are, actually are. Speak for you yourself. Know. Don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> yes, it's how you use it. Um, yes, you, they, they, you basically can find them in PCs, mobile phones, but also uh, they're vital to cars, kitchen appliances, TV, smart 
speakers, um, and, and, and this goes on. So what, and it, to make Tesla cars and stuff, you need, you know, these things. And normally they would have cost them a pound, but now they are um, resorting to buying washing machines, these, these companies. And I don't, know, I don't know if I want to buy a car that's had a ripped up washing machine. It's like harvesting. It's they're like, harvesting. It's like they're stealing harvesting. organs. Yeah, they're, they're like stealing organs, harvesting, cannibalising them. No one's touching my Bosch. No, no. Uh, and not, not my lovely washing machine. Keep just your got... hands off my yeah. Zanussi. <laughs> and they're cannibalising them for semiconductors rather than wait six months with such expensive goods stuck in the factory. There's no way my Siemens is getting anywhere near your hands. See, that's why you're the Fenelimart. That's why you're <laughs> paying the big... Very good, what, what brand of uh, washing machine have you bought? Oh, God, you know what? Is it I German? Bought... No, it's... Oh, South Korean? No, but it makes all these, like, ding 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 tunes and, new, and noises, and, it, and, it, and it's LG? so clever. It's so... Oh, it, maybe it's LG. LG, yeah. LG it, does a and tune. It, and, it, and, it, and it understands how, what load is in there. It's amazing. How dirty your washing is. That's really clever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. We've got a, a washer-dryer, which my wife now considers to be better than me. She just said, that machine is better than you. And it's true, because it washes and dries the clothes. And it, it's and reliable, it, it's efficient... It's eco-friendly, everything I'm not. And also, I bet it vibrates a lot if she sat on it. Well, we both do that. <laughs> Certainly early in the marriage. Nick uh, Dixon. Yes, I have a comment on this. It's far more serious. I feel bad now, but it's just... What brand uh, of washing machine have you got? I've, only got, I've got a mere in Indesit. Is that what they're called? Indesit. 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 Comes with the place and it's very humble. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very bad. I don't have a dryer. It's a budget yet. choice. Um, yeah, maybe for a dryer. Maybe when I when I move up to present a level mark, I'll get the dryer. Well, maybe uh, we could use some of your hot air. Nice. I was just. You're some film today. <laughs> can I merely say that the other thing about this is it's one of these shortages you don't really think about till it happens. A lot of the semiconductors are made in Taiwan. So if China discourages trade with Taiwan, which they've been trying to do, or if they suddenly invade or whatever, it could be a huge problem. That's I mean, we are running out of everything. I don't mm, want yeah. to catastrophize. We're running out of vegetable oil. We've run out of grains and wheat, and now semiconductors. It's a concern, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yes. It's yeah. worrying. And, there's, and actually, when you go shopping, the supermarket um, food, you know, the fresh fruit and vegetables are all and it's like all empty. Of, it's all because of Brexit. Right. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, no vegetables. Every cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> Telegraph now, and as if autocorrect can't get more irritating, Nick. First of all, what is autocorrect? Yes, that's where you're trying to type something and it ruins it for you and says something rude instead or something irrelevant. But yes, uh, ducking, whoever wants to say that. Anyway, this, uh, this, the headline is Big Brother, sorry, big person is correcting you on Google. But I think we covered this on Free Speech Nation a while ago. It's, it seems to be back again. So this is Google coming up with this very unhelpful, inclusive language function that prompts you to use other words. So if you say landlord, they're saying, could you change it to property owner or mankind becomes humankind? My favourite one, housewife becomes stay-at-home spouse which sounds more like an order, stay-at-home spouse. But, yeah, it's bizarre. And um, Silky Carlo, the director of Big Brother Watch, who I've met, we did a gig for the other day, it was a great gig, so full disclosure, has said that yeah, Google's new word warnings aren't as assistive, they're deeply intrusive. The company's reading every word you type, out, and now it's telling you what to type. And lots of people have pointed out how absurd and patronising this is, and it's, uh, and it's a rubbish form of progress that isn't really progress at all. Oh, and they tried to put... As a little experiment, they put through neo-Nazi um, leader David Duke, and he had no problems, but they put through John F. Kennedy's speech, and it tried to change humankind, to, mankind to humankind. And they put Jesus' Sermon on the Mount through. How dare you change what Jesus is saying? They suggested instead of wonderful, God's wonderful works, you should say great, marvellous, or lovely, which is not in any way better. So 
I yeah. don't wish to have my words edited by software. No, no. No, you get annoyed when the producers do it. I've seen you. No, I'm, I'm a control freak. <laughs> yeah. Look at me, can't you tell? <laughs> no, actually, you don't look like a control freak. I try. It's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all a visage. But, I mean, this is very concerning. This is an issue of free speech, don't you think, in a way? I, the encroachment I, of our language, Sadia. I know. It makes me really angry because freedom of expression, mm. how I might write um, something might be very different to how you write or how you write yeah. it. And so I don't, I don't want to be writing like everybody else. And I'm sorry, Google, you ain't the boss of me. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I know people my dad's generation, not nasty, but they might refer to a woman as a bird or something, you know. But they're not. This is not hate speech. They're just a certain generation. Mm -hmm. It's not a word I would use. Um, and, but I understand it's in context. It's like that's the language they grew up yeah. with. And I think it's the same with anything you read, whether it's a book or a newspaper article. It should be in the language and the mother tongue of the author. But also in the style of the author, because yes. if you use certain words, then that's the way that you, you speak. Don't homogenise us yeah. all, you know. Yes. Just add, a spokesman for Google, Google at the end says, our technology is always improving and we don't yet and may never have a complete solution to identifying and mitigating all unwanted word associations and biases. Well, why is that something you even need to do? And I don't like um, the word solution. It's got bad historic right. precedents. And why is it up to these idiots? Just some Google employee. And what's, yeah. what's going to happen, happen to the thesaurus now? Yeah. Because we used to rely on the thesaurus if we wanted to find another word. We don't need Google. Do yeah. that, do we? You don't need that. Cupertino will decide for you. The Guardian now and a wedding gone wrong, Sajila. Oh, I love this story. Um, thank you, Martin, for giving me this. Uh, yeah, so Florida bride and caterer have been charged after serving marijuana lace food at a wedding. So the police arrived at the venue to find the wedding guests being treated for symptoms consistent with that of someone who's been using illegal drugs. So um, they've been charged. So basically, uh, a whole load of people like at this wedding mm. um, didn't know that this, this was done without their consent. So they've laced, like, you know, you hear about, like, cookies. Was it, was it cookies? What did they lace? Like, brownies, brownies. Um, you know, these young kids that put, like, cooked stuff. Yes, anyway, sure. and th th this one guest said... It's a Mary Berry marijuana cake you can have. Mary Berry you get a really soggy bottom. Yeah, why hasn't she made one? Um, and one guest who ate a Caesar salad, tortellini and bread with an olive oil herb dip said he felt tingly. His head started to race and he was having crazy thoughts. Um, and he thought, he, you know, he didn't realise it was marijuana. Another guest said they ate the salad dipping three meatballs. How much food was this at this wedding? <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not consistent like menu either. It's a so, mess. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a lovely story. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that, so that, you know, they basically offered marijuana without telling them, just laced it. You're saying it's lovely. It's kind of drugging people without consent, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, it the yeah, but isn't that what weddings have been like for hundreds of years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the they do. Free wine. Like, the funny part is it's in Florida, so you've got that Florida man memes. It would be Florida, you know what I mean? It's always Florida these stories. Well, let's stay on cannabis, shall yeah. we? And Monday's mail, Nikolai. Yes, plans for the UK's first large-scale trial of medical cannabis are dramatically scaled back. So. So uh, this uh, firm, LVL Health, we're going to do a, a study on 100 patients uh, and they were going to try and get it to 5,000 after that. However, it's been said that actually it's not going to work. They're questioning the methodology of it and there's all sorts of criticisms of it. One, of the, one interesting, but then they defend themselves. Say, the uh, director said, it's impossible to offer a placebo because the psychoactive effects of vaping cannabis would make it obvious which group a patient was in, which is clear, isn't it? There'd be the group eating a big bag of Doritos and uh, YouTubing flat earth videos. Exactly right. So that is one issue. Yeah, and, and there's more <laughs> details to it, but not particularly interesting. How about Shakespeare, Monday's Guardian? Tell us about this one, Nick. Yes, this is interesting. New evidence suggests Shakespeare may have stolen the plot of Cymbeline. So 
Essentially, there are notes in, from a 1533 book where Sir Thomas North made some notes about uh, Rome and Rome's uh, wars with Britain and how... And, and Shakespeare, the claim now, may have seen those and based his play on the notes due to the chronology of it. So Michael Blanding believes that that is the case. He's saying it's a revolutionary discovery. It's hard to interpret any other way than that North used the book to write notes for his own play, which Shakespeare later adapted. So North wrote notes for a play that he didn't make, but then Shakespeare made the play. But the only thing is, all he's actually done is outline notes for the outline of the structure. So Shakespeare still had to come up with all the language. And other people have uh, contested it and pointed out that and said that it's actually weak evidence and that they don't believe this actually happened. Michael Dobson, director of the Shakespeare Institute, says that uh, it doesn't come anywhere near substantiating the claim that North was using the Chronicle as... It was in this book, Fabian's Chronicle, as basis for a play about Cymbeline. So he's, he's uh, saying that it isn't the case. So, yeah, it's, a, it's another Shakespeare plagiarism story. Um, Either yeah. Shakespeare is the most hard-done-by person in history or he's the biggest thief in history and, and no-one seems to know. Outrageous. No, there's no such yeah. thing as an original. There's no such thing as an original idea. So you know, we're all taking inspiration from somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, and you can obviously do worse than Shakespeare. Although the Shakespeare of comedy, Chris Rock is in the news. Just Ooh, a few seconds oh. on this. Uh, What's yeah. So Chris Rock's mum comedian has come out, has come out and um, spoken out about the slap that her son took from Will Smith at the award ceremonies, and Rose Rock, I hear you, sister, because I'm as a mother, right, I'm very protective. Uh, she's an author and motivational speaker herself, and uh, she's basically said, um, uh, so to, to uh, Will Smith, she said, You're, you reacted to your wife giving, her her, gi giving you the side eye, which I love that, she gave him the Great side expression. eye, a side eye, and <laughs> uh, you went and made her day because she was mulled over uh, uh, laughing uh, when it happened, so because she rolled over laughing happened when it happened, right? So um, she's really angry, like as a mum. And I tell you what, that was my kid had been slapped by someone. I'd have gone round that house and I would have grabbed him by the scruff of the neck. You don't mess with the Kershey. Thanks to the brilliant Nick Dixon and Sajila Kershey. Uh, thanks to you for your company this whole weekend. I've loved every minute of it. Headliners is back tomorrow at eleven, and I'm back on Friday at nine. See you then. Love you loads. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.